Welcome, and thanks for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org. Our scripture reading comes from Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of other another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy, in proportion to our faith, if service, in our serving, the one who teaches, in his teaching, the one who exhorts, in his exhortation, the one who contributes, in generosity, the one who leads, with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy, with cheerfulness. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I was uh, texting with Jamie this morning, and uh, we were kind of praying for each other. Jamie is uh, uh, sharing the word at uh, one of our sister churches up in Traverse City today, and I, uh, I asked him what the temperature was there. I had looked at the Weather Channel a few moments before we were texting, and it was 38 degrees here at uh, early this morning, and he just simply responded, well, let's just say we're not going swimming this afternoon. So uh, let's continue to pray for Jamie and family as they're up in Traverse City and as he is uh, probably right at this very same time uh, sharing the word with some of our brothers and sisters in Christ uh, that are part of uh, one of our sister churches uh, up there. I'm sure he would uh, appreciate that much. Let's just, uh, let's just pray for him this morning, all right? Let's bow our heads. Father God in heaven, we are so grateful today that, uh, that we have your word, so grateful today that we have the Holy Spirit of God uh, to open our understanding uh, to open our hearts, to change our lives. Father, we do remember in prayer today our pastor Jamie as he's up in Traverse City sharing the good word today with uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we just pray, Father, that you would just give him a, uh, just fill him with your Holy Spirit and just bless that ministry of your word there in that place today. And Father, we pray likewise for us as well, that as we open your word today, you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, open our understanding, open our hearts receive your word, to be changed so that our lives might be more filled with joy and might more glorify you. We thank you for that in Christ's name. Amen. From our study of Romans chapter 12, I think we've been learning a lot about what it means to authentically follow Jesus Christ. After all this great truth in Romans chapters 1 through 11 about, about who we are outside of Christ and who we are in Christ, Paul comes to chapter 12, and it's like, it's like all this truth and all this doctrine needs to lead to lifestyle. It needs to lead to life change. And so we're learning from this chapter about how we can authentically follow Christ. You may recall that in verse 1, we learned about giving God what he wants most from our lives. And then we learned from verse 2 about getting God's best for our life. And in verses 3 to 8, we're discovering truth related to coming to grips with the real me. Coming to grips with the real me. Truth related to kind of three foundational questions in life. 
Who am I? Where do I fit in? And what am I here for? Now, regarding coming to grips with the real me, we learned last week from verse 3 that as a follower of Christ, we have a new identity in Christ. We have a new answer to the question, who am I? We learned that we need to see ourselves the way God sees us so that we can think soberly, so we can think accurately and soundly about ourselves. We shared some thoughts from uh, Jerry Bridges' little book, um, and the title is, Who Am I? My Identity in Christ. And let me just remind us of a few of those things that we shared from that book because they're amazing foundational truths. And Jerry shares with us in his book that if I'm in Christ, I am justified. I'm a right, I am righteous before God. Why? Because God has charged my sin to Christ and credited to me Christ's perfect righteousness. Jerry also shares in that book, I'm an adopted child of God. I am a child of the King, and I have the privilege in this life of an intimate father-child-like relationship with Him. I look forward with expectant hope to an eternal inheritance that is far more glorious than anything I could ever, ever imagine. Jerry writes, I'm a new creation. I have a new heart. I have a new spirit. I have a new identity before God. I've been delivered from the domain of sin, and I have been united to Christ. Therefore, I am always able to resist sin, but when I do sin, I am always welcome at the cross. Always welcome at the cross. Why? Because my sins in totality have been forgiven in Christ. I am a saint. I do not belong to myself. I belong to God. I have been purchased and declared holy by God. I have been set apart for God. Thus, God is ever at work in me to cause me to grow in maturity, a process in which he calls me to cooperate fully in every way, and I do so out of gratitude for his great mercy. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. By God's grace, I serve him by serving other people in the particular role or roles to which in his providential wisdom, he has called me. And then one final thing that Jerry reminds us of actually in the very last chapter of his little book is this, I am not yet perfect. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know and to realize? I am not yet perfect. In this life, I am and always will be in this life an imperfect saved sinner, seeking to grow in holiness and relating to God on the basis of, Christ, uh, on the basis of grace that is mine because I am in Christ. I am in Christ. Christ. So once we learn to think accurately about ourselves in verse 3, then we learn last week from verses 4 and 5, they tell us why it is so important that we learn and understand how to think accurately about ourselves. And it's because as a person that is in Christ, I'm also a part of the body of Christ. And as a part of the body of Christ, I have a new security. I have a new answer to the question, where do I fit in? Paul shares with us in those two verses, and Amy just read them just a moment ago. He shares with us in those two verses that just as the various parts of our human body operate in interdependent unity, so the body of Christ is to function with that same kind of interdependent unity. We may have felt rejected by our family. 
We may have been rejected by a number of our peers. We may have even felt rejected at times by those who claim the name of Christ. But God wants us to know that in Christ, we are a part of his family. In Christ, we are part of, of his body and that we have strengths that God wants us to use to meet the needs of others. And we have needs and weaknesses that he has prepared others to minister to in our own lives. So once we begin to see ourselves the way God sees us, and once we begin to recognize that we're an essential part of the body of Christ, then we need to determine exactly what we're supposed to do. What am I supposed to do? What is the purpose for which I've been placed on this earth? Why am I in Christ? What am I supposed to do as part of the body of Christ? And that brings us to verses 6 to 8. And it's on those three verses that we want to really kind of center our thoughts this morning. Because in those three verses, we discover a new answer to the third foundational question, which is, what am I here for? What am I here for? What's God's specific purpose for my life? And in these three verses, we discover that not only do we have a new identity in Christ, and not only do we have a new place that we fit in, the body of Christ, but we learn from these three verses that we have a new significance, a new significance. Look at your Bible again. Follow along as I read some of the verses that Amy just read to us a moment ago. We're going to begin in verse 4. Paul writes, for as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now, in these three verses, I think we, we discover at least two, two very crucial realities that we need to learn if we're going to understand our new significance in Christ and as a member of the body of Christ. So let's talk about those two crucial realities that we need to learn. Here's the first one. God has equipped each follower of Christ to fulfill a unique purpose. God has equipped each and every follower of the Lord Jesus Christ to fulfill a unique purpose, a unique mission. You notice again what it says in verse 5 and 6, we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Let us use them. Over in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, Paul writes these, for, these words. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And then in kind of a corollary verse over in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, Paul writes, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God beforehand uh, which God beforehand, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. So what are those verses telling us? They're telling us this. As members of the body of Christ, we are new creations created in Christ Jesus for good works. And it is those good works 
that, God, that really define for us what our mission is. They define for us what our, our purpose is, that God has uniquely prepared for each and every one of us as his new creation. That really outlines for us what it is that we're here for. So the real issue in life is to discover the resources, discover the endowments that God has entrusted to us as his new creation, not only in the way of spiritual gifts, but also in the way of things like heart passions, abilities, personality, experiences, the totality of the way God has shaped us so that we can better understand and therefore better fulfill the mission that God has given us, which is the accomplishing of those good works which he prepared beforehand and in which he wants us to walk. So we are his unique design. As Ephesians 2.10 says, we are his workmanship. And you've probably heard it before, that word workmanship really communicates the idea of work of art. We are his masterpiece. And I think our greatest joy in life And I think our greatest impact, our greatest significance uh, for the glory of God in life is directly related to the discovery and the deployment and the accomplishment of those good works which God wants us to walk in. That really explains the answer to the question, what am I here for? So when it comes to Romans 12, verses 6 to 8, I think we can kind of summarize those three verses this way. They're really answering a question. And the question is this, what is God's specific purpose or mission for my life? That's the question that those verses are addressing. And they're answering it this way. My purpose is to discover the gracious resources or the gracious endowments that I've received from him as a new creation and deploy those resources in such a way that I fulfill the unique mission, the unique purpose that God has given me as a member of his body, God's family. That's what I'm here for. Now, I recognize, and you recognize, that carrying that out and fulfilling that, it's going to look different in different times in our life, in different chapters of our life, in different, different places as we kind of work our way along that road to, to spiritual maturity. It's going to change along the way. But God has uniquely shaped each follower of Christ, and we are to use that unique shape to carry out our God-given purpose, our God-given mission. Now, on the surface, we might think that Romans chapter 12, verses 6 to 8, is only talking about just a, a very small handful of a couple of spiritual gifts. And those verses are addressing a small handful of spiritual gifts. But in the totality of the paragraph here in Romans 12, verses 3 to 8, I think they're really saying much more. I think this passage is actually a very, very kind of emphatic passage. And the passage is saying this. It's saying because of who we are in Christ and where we fit in or belong as members of the body of Christ, this is what we're here for. This is our mission. So Paul wants us, God wants us to think accurately about ourselves, and then he wants us to get relationally connected in the body of Christ, and then he wants us to discover and deploy Not only our unique spiritual gifts, but also our unique heart passions, our unique abilities, our unique personality, as well as our unique experiences. And so all of that brings us to the second crucial reality that we need to learn from these three verses. And that is this, that there are a number of reasons, at least three reasons why it is imperative for us 
to discover our overall shape. Why is it so important that I spend time trying to discover that? Why is it so necessary? Why is it so critical? Three things. Number one, our shape really becomes the basis for making major life decisions, for making major priority decisions. I mean, if you and I understand how God has shaped us, it will begin to shape what we do. I mean, if God has shaped me this way, then that should define much of what he has shaped me to accomplish in my life. I don't think God wants us to be involved in everything. He wants us to be willing to do what he has shaped us to do, to do it faithfully, to do it with with humility. Most of our time and energy is really to be focused on developing and then deploying our unique shape so that we can fulfill our created in Christ Jesus purpose or mission of doing the good works that he prepared beforehand and that he wants us to walk in. I mean, that's what our life's all about. So our shape becomes the basis for making major priority decisions. Here's another reason why it's so important that we discover our overall shape. is because our shape is really an affirmation of God's love for us. Our shape is really an affirmation of God's love for us. I mean, just think about that for a moment. We give gifts to people we love, don't we? I mean, at Christmas time, we give gifts to people we love. On birthdays and other holidays, anniversaries, we give gifts to people that we love. Gifts are sort of an evidence that someone is, that they matter to us and that we want them to know that they're special to us. Well, in love, God has endowed us He has given to us. He has resourced us with specific spiritual gifts. But he's also given us certain heart passions. He's given us certain natural abilities. He's given us a unique personality. He's brought us through certain experiences. And he wants us to use those things. And he wants us to realize that this will bring joy to our lives. It'll bring fruit into the lives of others. And I think it'll also bring glory to God And we will continually be reminded that all of these resources, all of these gifts, all of these endowments that God has given to us are really an evidence of how much he loves me. He wouldn't have given this to me if he didn't love me. That's why he's given us these wonderful abilities and gifts and endowments. And then third, another reason why it's so important that we understand this is that a proper understanding of our shape really keeps the work of Christ central in our mind. It keeps the work of Christ central in our mind. In the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 to 10, Paul writes this. He says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. That's what we're talking about this morning. He goes on to write, therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Now, there's probably a number of things that we could talk about from these verses. But I think if we just sort of look at it, the overall message of these verses, they're saying this. These verses are describing Christ's victory, his victory over sin, his victory over death, His victory over hell, his victory over the devil. And the quote from Psalm 68 that we find in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 to 10, is really describing and presenting a picture of a victorious king 
who is coming back from battle, battle with all the spoils of victory and then just sharing all those wonderful spoils of victory with all the citizens of the kingdom. And Christ has now shared with us all the amazing spoils of his victory over sin and death and, and hell and Satan. So when we discover and display, deploy those spoils of victory that Christ has graciously shared with each of us, it is a reminder that all that we are and all that we have and all that we will ever accomplish is a, a direct result of Christ's victory. At the end of the day, it's, it's really not about us. It's not about my group or my church or my success or my growth. Properly understood, the way we are uniquely shaped by Christ reminds me that all that I have is from his victory. They are the spoils of his victory, the resources from his victory, the endowments that he shared with us as citizens of his kingdom from his victory. So it's all about the finished work of Christ. It's all about the work of Christ. So I need to understand how God has made me and shaped me so that I really understand what my purpose is and what my mission is. It'll help me make important decisions. It'll be affirmation of God's love. And at the end of the day, it'll keep the work of Christ central in my mind. So what is our assignment? I mean, what do we do with that information? How do we flesh that out? How do we sort of make that happen? How do we become um, not just hearers of the word, but also doers of the word? Well, here's an assignment. And the assignment is this, and it's really kind of a lifelong assignment. The assignment is, I need to discover my shape. I need to discover my shape. Why? What will be the result? Well, I think the result will be this. We will find ourselves, as we discover how God has uniquely shaped us, we will find ourselves in the place we belong, doing the things that we love, and making the impact that we were designed to make for the glory of God. At the end of the day, that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. So I want to encourage us to maybe spend some time this next week or maybe over the next several weeks, maybe getting together with a couple of close friends or getting together with some family members or getting together with those that are part of our small group and just sort of talking together about how God has uniquely shaped us. I mean, start the conversation by, by talking about spiritual gifts. You say, well, Mark, I there's a lot of things about spiritual gifts I don't really understand. There's a lot of things about spiritual gifts that I don't fully understand. But God has given us in his word in the New Testament at least four passages that help us to understand spiritual gifts. One of those passages is what we're looking at today, Romans 12, 6 to 8. Another one is 1 Corinthians 12. Another is Ephesians 4, 1 to 12. Another is 1 Peter chapter 4, 10 to 11. So let's sit down with a few friends. Let's sit down with a couple of family members. Let's sit down with some people in our small group and just look at those passages and get out a piece of paper and begin to jot down what do we learn from these texts about spiritual gifts? You know, what are some of the spiritual gifts? What is the purpose of spiritual gifts? How might we use different spiritual gifts? And then to talk about amongst each other as we look at each other and as we know each other, what do you see in me? What do I see in me? is what some of my spiritual gifts ought to be or what, what some of my gifts are as God has resourced me and endowed me. So talk together about those spiritual gifts. What am I spiritually gifted to do? And then spend some time together talking about heart passions. What do I love to do? What do I have a passion for? What motivates me? 
What excites me? Who do I love to work with the most? What age group? What types of people? See, I not only think that God has uniquely gifted us with spiritual gifts, but he's given us certain heart passions, certain things that excite us, things that motivate us, things that we just love to do, things that we are passionate about doing, people that we love to work with, places that we love to serve in. And as I discover and as we talk together about those heart passions, we begin to understand more fully how it is that God has shaped us. And the more I understand about how God has shaped me, the more I understand how he wants to use me to fulfill the purpose and mission he has placed me on this earth to accomplish. And then not only are there, heart, are there spiritual gifts and heart passions, but there's also abilities. What natural talents do I have? What skills do I have? What vocational skills have I learned? What natural talents have I been given by God? Now, I find it kind of interesting in the Old Testament that after God had given all this instruction to Moses about, about building the tabernacle, and the tabernacle was sort of like this, this portable worship center that would uh, be, be with the children of Israel as they wandered through those 40 years in the wilderness, and even in the early years that they were in the land of promise. And he gave all of this amazing detail about uh, the different things that were to go into the building of the tabernacle and all the, the, the things that had to be put together and made and, and, and what they were all about. And then at the end of that long discussion about what needs to go into the tabernacle and all the parts of the tabernacle, uh, God says this. He says, I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood to work in every craft. What's that text saying? God's saying that not only do I uniquely, do I, not only do I uniquely endow my people with spiritual gifts, and not only do I give them heart passions, but I also give them natural abilities. And I want to use their vocational abilities. There were people in the land of Israel, there were people that were part of the nation of Israel that were craftsmen, that could do works of craftsmanship, works with wood and cloth and gold and silver. And God says, I want to uniquely use those natural abilities, those God-given abilities, those vocational abilities for my glory and for my purposes. So talk together, talk together. What natural talents and skills do I have? What vocational skills have I learned? What natural talents have I been given by God? In addition to spiritual gifts and heart passions and abilities, there's also personality. Now, when I talk about personality, I'm not talking about character. We're talking about what does my personality or temperament best suit me to do for the glory of God? Am I an introvert or an extrovert? It's not about wishing I was an extrovert or wishing I was an introvert. It's recognizing that I am who God's made me to be and using that for his glory, using that to find joy in my own life, using it to produce fruit in others. So just talk amongst those friends, amongst those family members or small group members. You know, am I an introvert or an extrovert? Am I a thinker or a feeler? Am I more into routine? I just sort of like structure in my life. It's just sort of the way I'm wired. Or am I kind of more the variety kind of person? I really don't like structure. I just like a lot of variety in my life. Am I a neat freak or a messy? Am I more of a self-controlled person or self-expressive person? Am I more of a cooperative kind of person or more of a competitive kind of person? Talk about, think about, think through how has God wired me? He hasn't done that accidentally. 
The personality that he has given to you is a resource and gift, an endowment for him that he wants to use for your joy and for his glory and to accomplish his purposes. And then finally, talk about some of the experiences that you've been through. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, Paul writes this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now, what are those verses telling us? Well, one of the things they're telling us is that God has allowed us to go through certain experiences. He has brought us through certain experiences. And in bringing us through those experiences, we have learned some things. He has taught us some things. He has grown us. He has comforted us. And God says, now, I've uniquely brought you through those experiences, and I want you to use those experiences to minister to others for your joy and for my glory. So let's talk about some of the experiences that we've been through. What spiritual experiences have I had? Maybe I've gone through some real spiritual crises in my life, and I've learned some things through those spiritual crises, and I can share those and help those and minister to others through those spiritual experiences I've had. What painful experiences have I had? Maybe I've battled through some addictions. Maybe I've experienced some abuse. Maybe I've had some health painful experiences. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe my painful experiences have just simply been as a result of my own stupidity, right? But God doesn't waste any experience. God doesn't even waste the painful experiences. No, he wants us to take those experiences that he's walked us through and to use what we've learned to accomplish the good purposes that he's placed us on this earth to accomplish. What educational experiences have I had? What have I learned? What I've been trained in? What I've been self-taught? What ministry experiences have I had? You might say, well, I've had a lot of ministry experiences. You might say, I've had just really just a few ministry experiences. You might say, I've not had any ministry experiences up until this point in time. And it's not a kind of a, that one is right and what is wrong. It's just understanding what experiences have I had? What significant life experiences have I had? So again, we're asking the question, we're answering the question, what am I here for? What's God's specific purpose for my life? And I think if we were to boil it all down to one sentence, the sentence would be this, that my life will be most effective. And by effective, I mean most joy-filled and most glorifying to God when I am using my spiritual gifts and my abilities in the areas of my heart passions in a way that best expresses my personality and my life experiences. I mean, just think about that for a moment. My life will be most effective, what I'm here for, the purpose for why I'm here, when I'm using my spiritual gifts, using my abilities in the areas of my heart passions and in a way that best expresses my personality and best expresses my life experiences. That's what I'm here for. That's my purpose. That's your purpose in life. So what do we mean when we're talking about coming to grips with the real me? Well, I think there are at least three truths that God wants us to remember, to never forget from Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 8. The first truth is in relation to the question, who am I? And God wants us to never forget the truth that God has recreated me in Christ. I, being in Christ, is my new identity. 
and it gives me an eternal identity, an eternal value. The second truth that we need to remember answers the question, where do I fit in? God placed me in his family. That's the truth. In the body of Christ, I am unconditionally secure and unconditionally accepted. And then the third truth answers the question, what am I here for? God shaped me to fulfill the unique purposes that he wants me to accomplish in my life. God shaped me to fulfill his purposes, the good works that he has prepared for me. So not only do I have a new identity in Christ, and not only do I fit into a new body, the body of Christ, but I need to realize that I have a new significance. God has uniquely shaped me for his purposes so I find joy in my life and so that my life can bring him glory and honor. Let's pray together. Father God in heaven, we thank you for these things that we've briefly reflected on this morning. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you have uh, not only called us to be in Christ and made us a part of the body of Christ, but Lord, you have uniquely resourced us and endowed us with those things that uh, you want us to use to fulfill our purpose and mission, the good works that you prepared beforehand that you want us to walk in. So, Father, might we commit ourselves to discovering and, and deploying and encouraging each other to know what our spiritual gifts are, what our heart passions are, what our abilities and personality are, what experiences we've gone through. And then to say, Lord, I want to I jump in and use those things that you've given me for your glory, for your honor, for your praise. In Christ's name we do pray. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. Harvest Lakeshore exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org.